every time we increase, everything with us increases. The way we think, the way we live, the way we feel, our priorities, the way we talk, the way we perceive, everything connected to us, everything about us and those who are around us increase as we increase. So everything comes up higher every single time. That means we have to set boundaries and keep them set. Holy Spirit knows just how to do that. Many of us go around looking for a word, going around looking for an answer, going around looking for a vision, going around looking for signs, and going around looking for ways to know what's going on and looking for examples to show you how to perceive what's going on, looking for just new things and new ways to receive new things. But you have to set boundaries for you because many of us are open for others to tell us what we should do and what they think is best for us to do. Now, when it comes to our personalities and our personal appear appearances, our preferences, that's something different. You should do this. Okay, that's a good idea. But when it comes to our walk, when it comes to God's ways, when it comes to God's visions, his plan, his promises, when it comes to what we are processing, we have to set boundaries. Many of us are missing blessings because we don't set boundaries. And we listen to people and sometimes we have even given advice that wasn't good. And many of us give advice that's not good. It sounds good. You meant well, I meant well. But then we receive a result that we didn't want. We go to the person who gave us the wrong advice. And we're like, I should have listened to you. And what does the person say? No one told you to. I didn't make you. But it's not as if you were listening to some news that you didn't want to embrace. And it's not as if they wanted to give you falsified information on purpose. That's why we have to hear Holy Spirit. Have to keep our boundaries in order. If you don't set boundaries, someone's going to set them for you. I feel in my spirit, there is a ceremony going on in February and you have to sing. God says, in all that you do, do everything unto him. Do everything unto him. Everything means everything. I was asked to give this testimony. Awesome people listen to the podcast. And these are some amazing people that many people know. Let me give that testimony. As they told me to give. She was seven months pregnant in church. Just coming in there, seven months pregnant. And this man was behind her, kept watching. And she told her friend, there's a man who keeps looking at me and I think it's more than what it cracked up to me. <laughs> what it appears to be, it looks like it's more than this. And her friend was like, no, he's not looking at you like that. Don't take it wrong. And plus you're pregnant. Don't think like that. She was like, he keep coming closer and closer. Every time they come to church, he would sit closer and closer. And her friend noticed. She was like, maybe it's, you know, he, he just... 
trying to get closer to the service or hear the word more. You know, a friend was just like, you know, maybe you're overthinking things. She said, oh, I don't think so. Well, okay. She's seven months pregnant. She goes to the bathroom. This man, I was told that he was working for his pastor like a son. And he got out of himself that day and waited for her to get out the bathroom and yelled. And he never yells like that. He was bold with it. Hey, you are the most beautiful person I ever see. You are so beautiful. And she was like, well, thank you. Her friend was like, what? And guess what, guys? All of a sudden, this gentleman asked her, can I take you out sometime? She ran off. She ran off. Her friend said, we'll be back. I'm giving it the way I was giving to me, the testimony. So they were in the car negotiating. What's she going to do? Do he know I'm pregnant? How can he not? You're seven months. You about to have this baby. He got to know. She said, what if he don't know I'm pregnant? So that was her idea. Next time she see him, she's going to blurt it out. I'm pregnant. And that's what she did. I'm pregnant. You know what he said? I know. God told me you would be pregnant. God told me that my wife would be pregnant. She would be with child. So he was telling her, you're my wife. When a man hears about a woman, I have heard a lot of the woman felt it too. But not to say anything until he says something to you. Everybody's testimony is so different. But this is their testimony. She felt it too. So they went out. They hung out. He helped her buy baby clothes, helped her plan her baby shower, but he didn't attend because her child's father was going to be there. He didn't want to overstep any boundaries. He's painting her baby room. She has her own home. He buys her a ring. He said, I'm going to propose to her, show her friend the ring. But because they didn't have any boundaries set before them, his end poured him that way and her end poured her that way. What are you doing with this man? This is what God wants. No, God would not want you to be pregnant with somebody else. Now you go find the father of that child. You'll be with him. And this is what this was his end. Why you want a pregnant woman? You tripping, yo. You can have whoever you want. You too powerful. You too anointed to think this stupid. Notice what God wants. It can't be what he wants. She's pregnant. They looking at each other from behind and they both being pulled in different directions. And while they were being pulled, people in their corner had them to marry people they wanted them to marry. And they never felt good about the decision because they knew they let them tell them what they should do, how they should live. Hear the story, please. More call, call. So what happened was 
What happened was they both ended up marrying people on each end that people have had for them because they didn't set any boundaries to say it's going to be what God wants. If you don't stand your ground regarding what God wants, somebody going to stand for you and tell you what they want. And that's what happened to them. And they told me to testify it for them on this podcast because they are a listener and they want the world to hear. So he's this big old, you know, man of God. He's a pastor. He has his own church. A lot of people look up to him. The first thing he wanted to do was be a father. He's still, you know, going through that process over there on that end. And he realized they picked a woman for me who looked good for me on the outside. She looked like a first lady. She dressed like a first lady. She even act like a first lady. But at home, she's not what I want. I like to have fun. I like to do things that I was doing with this other woman. She was pulling me out of me. We laugh, we joke, we dance. I leap. I don't leap in front of people. I don't act like this in front of people like this. Only people who know me see how I really am. And she knows how I am. And many don't because I am high in leadership. So I have to play the role. But I giggle with her. I goofed off with her. I laugh with her. We have fun. We played around. I was myself. She's herself. No one touched me in those ways. I've never been touched in those ways. And I know she hasn't been touched either. But this other woman, she just look nice. It's not nice enough for my purpose. It's not nice more than just saying yes to what God really wants for me. They give me a person who just look like, but don't act like. So the woman on the other end, Wound up marrying a man and had a baby and had children by this man. And they both are so heartbroken about the decision they let people make for them that they stop serving in the same place. She went as far. She stopped coming to that church. He said he went far. He stopped coming. He's doing his own thing. He said, I think about her every day. She said, I think about him every day. It's been over seven, eight years for both. Because he got married, she got married too. She thought it would help the hurt that she had when he got married. And now where they are in the marriage is they both have to sit down and tell each person, this is not what I want. This is not what God wants. I apologize. You got to think about the other people. They're going to be like, what do you mean? That's not what you want. Think about that woman that's a first lady now. What do you mean I'm not your wife? Seven plus years I've been with you. Help you build this church. Help you build other churches. Stood by your side. What do you mean? See, we have to set boundaries so we wouldn't end up in situations like that. Because if we don't set them, somebody's going to set them for us. If we don't think how God wants us to think, somebody's going to think for us. If we don't speak how we ought to speak, somebody's going to speak for us. You don't want no one to speak for you, think for you, do for you. Tell you what's best for you. When God is the creator of you. Make no mistakes concerning you. 
Same goes for me. So what happened is that he has to tell that woman, you're not it. I listened to them and it's not. She has to tell the man who she had children with, you're not it. It's this man. I know we have a baby. I know we have children. I know. I know. I'm sorry. I thought this was it. It's not it. I'm in love with this man. And I've always been in love with this man. It's God. This is God's plan. Everybody is not going to understand that. But we can't be afraid to go through that process regarding that. We have to allow God to see us through that. This couple say, I heard your testimony on the podcast. During a pandemic, you got a divorce? It only took six months? And only 400? You didn't have to go back and forth to get paperwork, no court building, because you had to do it on Zoom because it was a pandemic. God knew when to call you out, and he knew what to do to do it for you. If you can do it, I can do it. Because I'm with the wrong wife. I got to tell my church. I got to tell my boys, my girls who was in my wedding. I'm not going to call nobody out and say, they once made me do it because I decided to do it. She has to do the same thing on her end. She has to tell that beautiful little baby by this man. Your father is not the husband. That God is for me. But we don't have to explain to anybody. We don't have to get anyone's approval. We already been approved when we were created. So that's their process. Sitting down, telling each party, you are not it for me. I'm sorry. I made a mistake. Now imagine that. The first thing he did when he met her is say, I'm ready to be a stepdad. I'm excited. You about to give birth to a baby. God told me my, my wife will be pregnant. Now you then think about that for a second. Hold up. That is so different compared to the world's way. Look at Hosea. You hear his testimony? What? No man in the world would ever do what Hosea done. More cool. Men of God, you, I just want to say thank God for you, men of God, you. Because I know some of us as women, and even you women, us women regarding the men, when you want what God wants, sometimes you go through something. Sometimes you go through something. And I want to say to all you who've been through something, great is your reward, man. I'm trying to tell you. Because you could have said, you know what? I don't want this. I don't want your will, God. Forget it. Forget it. Forget it. No. No. But you said, you know what? Okay. Okay. This sucks. But okay. How do you think Christ felt? I have to be bruised. 
chastised, spat on, crucified. But the joy was set before him. So keep the joy before you. I realized that um, I was told to give the testimony. Someone else came out and said, it's cheaper to be with the woman that I married she looked it good, dressed good, and you know, but when I married her, she didn't really want me. She just wanted to have a title of being married to prove to her friends and her family that she can have someone to, like her friends have. But when I took her home, she's she doesn't do anything with me. She just stay in the mirror all day. She calls her mother, she ain't with her girlfriends. She don't do nothing with me. She haven't even bought me anything in 20 years. But we're waiting for each other to tell each other that we're done. But no one wants to beat each other to the punch. And that means that they're not communicating at all. Now imagine that. You go home. Hey, hey. Then on the table. If you even made any for him or her. Go upstairs. Got separate bedrooms. And leave out in front of people. Got friends coming to the house and holding hands. Slapping her on the butt and whatever they do. And yet when the company needs, okay, back to reality. Go upstairs, go in your own room. All right, me too. Good night. Do you understand? I have something for you that's going to really rock your world. That's an old term, rock your world. Oh, God. <laughs> ah, that's going to really blow your mind. Let's say that. <laughs> when it comes to things, they perish. When it comes to people, everlasting. Many people departed here, married to the wrong person, got in the kingdom. If the person wasn't already there or they're waiting for them to come, no matter what, they're going to be with the right person because it's written. But when it comes to children, now that's an icebreaker. Because if they're not birthed here naturally, where does that put them in the kingdom as a citizen? Supernaturally, if they are not birthed here. To be a supernatural being. Now, God's writing going to always be because he's not a man that he should lie. But where does that put and how does that put children that was not birthed due to the writing God had for each mate to have together? If they never got together to even conceive the children that's written down for them to have. So how does that even look in the kingdom? Does that mean they won't be even though in the writing it exists? Or does that mean they will appear in the kingdom, but just didn't appear here in the earth? Do you understand? It's so much powerful than we think. So don't take restoration lightly. Restoration is another word for recovery. We all have to recover from something that we have encountered. The angels are flying all around this room. I'm still trying to comprehend how am I going to do this married to a man and I'm like this. How would that be? I have to stop thinking that he's going to think I'm strange. 
Yes, I'm different. Yes, I'm unique. We all are. But I'm like, oh boy, how would that be? Would he just stare at me? Would his mouth be wide open like, what? And I fall to the floor and do that. What would he do? <laughs> would he just sit there stuck like, I don't know what to do? I don't know. I'm just not going to think about it. Hallelujah. My God. <laughs> oh, God. You know what I thought I was going to do? I thought I was going to tiptoe out the bed and just not disturb him and go somewhere in the living room in a corner and just, <gasps> you understand? But he's a light sleeper like I am. You could be so, you understand, so much enjoying your sleep, but you sleep so light at the same time. One little noise, you up. And that's him. There's no way he can ever not know I get out that bed. And why would I want to do that? I'm not going to be loud, but I'm not going to hide anything. There's nothing to hide. It's different because it's always been this way with me and God. I'm excited, but there's no but. <laughs> I'm excited. I'm just trying to comprehend it all. That's all. I'm not used to having a man of God beside me Why I'm with God. What an honor, right? How do you think a man feels to have a woman of God beside him? Let me give you another icebreaker. Quote, unquote, without breaking ice. We have two different fathers. Two different realities. Two different ways of living. One is good. One is bad. One is truth. One is lies. So every good word, there's a bad word. The same word, but bad. Like the word violent. There are two different types of violent. Negative violence and mighty violence. God saying the violence to take it by what force? There are two different types of fight. Demonic fighting, fist fighting, anger fighting. And there is a fight of faith. God say fight a good fight. We have a good fight. There are two different types of the word comfortable. And many of us who are married are embracing the wrong comfortable. We are embracing Satan's comfortable in a ministry of God. Many of us. Just like many of us carrying the wrong care. We're carrying the care that he said cast down. And not walking with the care that he cares for us with. Now, when it comes to marriage, many people say, yeah, when you have years in, you're going to start, you're going to stop, you know, looking like this. You're going to start, you know, wearing baggy clothes, holy clothes. You, you've been together that long. You know each other. You ain't got to do all that to impress each other. You know each other. You, you know, you're comfortable. But that's not God's comfortable. God's meaning to his comfortable means that you are relieved, that you are in rest, that you and I are at peace. The devil's word of comfortable means that we stop caring. Many of us get married and years go by and we just stop caring about the things that we used to care about. And many of us think that you care about those things at first, but as the years go on, you get comfortable, meaning you stop caring. You don't have to do because now you and I got this 
you know, agreement, we established that this is what we normally do. This is what we were told how married couple, how married folks do. You know, I don't have to dress nice as much. You already know me. You saw the best of me. I can wear what I want. I can say what I want. I can bathe when I want. I can clean when I want. You already know me. You used to me. And they have gotten comfortable, negatively comfortable with that. And that means stop caring. Stop caring about weight. Stop caring about, you understand, looking good, feeling good, sounding good, tasting, I mean, um, not taste, whatever. You get it. I'm just saying all the senses. And all those things. You understand? And we have to really throw down that comfort. That means not caring. That's the wrong comfortable. We have to carry the right comfortable, meaning to be at ease, to be at peace. We're not supposed to start out good and end up not so good. Start out strong and end up weak. We're supposed to start out strong and end up strong. Do you understand? Start out strong and end up strong. Hallelujah. I mean this with all of my heart, all of my being. Start out strong and end up strong. How it's supposed to be originally. I love you all so much. Thank God for everything. But we can't start out, you know, looking good. I wear this. I, you wear that for me. We talk like this and we up all night. And now it's like, you know, good night, good night. We just stop caring because we think in the years go by, we don't have to care about the things that we used to care about, which we should normally care about always. That's how we see other couples that look so good and sound so good and feel so good about each other. We're like, wow, you guys are a model, but you also a model. Every marriage is to be modeled because one marriage, everybody cannot see at the same time. You may be going places that many will only be for them to encounter what marriage is. Hallelujah. Marriage is not getting together and we both just stop caring about how we, you know, appear. We can't. And many of us cannot get together and feel like. Hold on, excuse me, guys. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Hallelujah. Thank you, God. I had to read a message. And I'm telling you guys, gotta set boundaries. Gotta set boundaries. 
You cannot even tell yourself to slack. You can't even tell yourself to not do what you know is best for you. Same goes for me. It goes for all of us. We can't do that. That's not the way to live. Hallelujah. I mean it. Hallelujah. Seriously. I love you guys so much. I thank you guys for everything. I'm going to set my alarm for 4 o'clock and just submit all these finals. Thank you, God, for the reminder. I mean it. At 4 o'clock, okay, I'm doing it. Let me do it at 4 o'clock. Yes, God. All right. I got it. Thank you, God, for that. Just submit everything in. No, no big deal. I realize a lot of times that we we rush things just to say we did it. But we have to take our time to really receive. But we have to set boundaries in order. That's like if someone asks me, come on, girl, let's go to this this uh, pool party. Oh, that sounds good. Where at? Yeah, it's going to be somewhere, you know, Costa Rica somewhere. Oh, wow. Okay. But I have to take care of this right here. This is more important. And I start considering going over there to that pool party. Like, maybe I could do half here. Or I could do half at the party. That's not an atmosphere to have my mindset, your mindset at ease to even study. Because we on party mode. We on dance. We on relaxation, having the fun. So we have to allow people to know that we are serious about our priorities. Because if we're not, they're not going to take them seriously. How many times somebody try to talk you out of doing what they know and you know what you need to do? But guess what? Many of the people who do that, they have taken care of their business first. It's not okay for them to do those things, but people do. Okay, I did mine. Okay, now I need somebody to do something else because I, I can have fun now. Okay, let me do mine. Okay, were you sure you don't want to have? No, let me take care of mine. But then you take care of yours? You understand? You have to set your boundaries. Set your priorities in order and let them stay that way. And how you set them? Submitting yourself to God. And that's how they become in order. Because he's first. If you don't know the priorities in order, it's God, Jesus, Holy Spirit. If you're married, your husband, you, your children, parents, immediate family, extended family, and everybody else that comes along with that. Cannot mix them up. Hallelujah. If I put my son before me, where does that put me to raise him? If he's over me because I'm putting him above me, who cannot even teach me, have not been here longer than me. Yes. <laughs> so we have to be very careful with that. Cannot put friends over marriage. Can't have no one tell you what to do with your ministry or with you, even if it's a single. You understand? As singles. Can't no one tell us what to do, when to do, how to do. You know what to do. You know what to do. By allow the Holy Spirit to tell you. Tell me what to do. Hallelujah. Now before I get off of here. There are so many testimonies about people saying, okay, I want, I'm ready for what God wants. I don't want this no more. 
This is not the way. I'm unhappy. I'm not ready. I, I just can't take this. Many saying I cannot take this anymore. I got to get out of this. I, I can't have this. I've been unhappy too long. I'm trying to please everybody and I'm not happy. And you know what? People who normally give advice unto people who are pursuing or being in hot pursuit, they're single or their marriage is not prospering. And always got so much advice that we have to give to people that we're not even taking in ourselves. How am I going to tell somebody about being pursued? I've never been pursued. How can I tell someone how it is to be pregnant and I never became pregnant before? How? How can I talk about anything that I have not yet encountered for me to even say I know what it's like for you? Now I can understand but I never been through. Do you understand? And many of us keep trying to put our nose where it doesn't belong. And many of us taking heed to that advice that is totally wrong. You have to seek God for yourself. You have to ask God for yourself. Because people mean well. No one wants to give bad advice purposefully. Intentionally. No. So if I get off here, let me give you a powerful message real quick right quick because many of us ladies just say i want a man like boaz i don't want boaz of course he's not here but i want a man like boaz let me ask you why is it because he's wealthy and he took care of ruth is that why a very sweet charming man of god that's what you want so how do you see boaz a man that took care of a woman, a man that took care of a woman that was in, you understand, in a situation where she can use that help? How do you see Ruth? How was you told about Ruth? A lot of the stories are just told and passed down. What did you read about Ruth? That she was a woman that was just out there with... Her mother-in-law, they seeking food, seeking shelter. Let me tell you, for those who think that way, that's not Ruth's testimony. Can I tell you? Thank you. Naomi's husband, Elimelech, his name means my God is king. He's a man from Bethlehem. And he went to Moab. Make a long story short. Ten years after his sons. Were also married, he died. He died within those 10 years, a lot has taken place. Remember, he's from Bethlehem. He's not from Moab. Ruth and Orpah, we already know that's where they are from originally. And what's so amazing is that 
when Elimelech died, 10 years later, his sons died. Kilian means wasting away. That's a name that Naomi named her son. The second son, Michaelon, it means sickness. So she named her sons wasting away in sickness. Every mother named their child with a meaning to their name. Especially in the biblical times. Why would she name her sons in a sense of a disease? In a sense of knowing that they're not going to last long. She tried to change her own name to Mara. Don't call me Naomi. Call me Mara. Call me Bitter. Let me tell you the powerful message in this story that many of us are missing. When we think about Ruth and Naomi, like they're just wandering around, don't know what to do. They wasn't wandering around loss. They wasn't wandering around begging for change. Naomi had a plan. And what did Naomi say to her daughter-in-laws when she tried to get them to go back? Go back to Moab. Go go back to your families. I'm on my way to Bethlehem. Go back. Why did they say, no, we're not? It took her some convincing to have Orpah to go back. She did. But you know what's so amazing is that she told Ruth, I cannot give you another son for me for you to marry. I cannot have another child for you to marry. And if I do, he grew up, you'll be too old. For I ain't even too old. Do you know why she said that? Because back in those times, the men were kinsmen, redeemers, which are inheritors. They didn't have any men because her husband died, her two sons died, Kilion and Maclon, and neither one of them had any children. So they had no one to pass the inheritance to. So Naomi said, I cannot give you another child to pass down what? Oh, we about to find out soon as I go back to Bethlehem. I know exactly where to go in Bethlehem because I'm about to get up. Because in Bethlehem, my husband has a relative by the name of Boaz and he has some possessions, some assets in his name. And I'm his wife. Now, I don't have any children anymore by my husband. They're dead. And my two daughter-in-laws don't have any kids by my sons. So I don't have anybody to pass this inheritance to. So I have to get a kinsman redeemer who I'm related to that can pass it down to me. And you too, Ruth, because you get a part of the inheritance because you married my son. See, these days we call it when a father passes away, when or when a parent passes, they get uh what is it, an SSI check or something? They get a check, some type of check. 
until they're 18 or something. Come on, someone. Ruth knew exactly what Naomi was talking about. That's why it was Naomi who told Ruth, you go to Boaz, you go put on some perfume, you go, you have to break the law, you have to, okay? You can tell that Boaz is a lot older, being as though he is more close up age with Naomi's husband, Elimelech, because Boaz always referred to Ruth as young lady, young woman, according to the King James Version. And... Not trying to give every detail, but she told her to lie there before him, but don't make any noise. Don't let yourself be known because it was against the law. But he's still a man of authority that he can bend it, but cannot, you know, set a bad example for others. I think they can too. That's like if I put a law in effect and I don't even follow my own law, that don't even look right. So he told her after she said, well, you can marry me. In other words, you can help me get my property. You can help me get the land. You can help me get the access. I can't negotiate anything. I'm a woman, but you the next thing can. You a man. You can marry me and have me to get everything that belongs to me, plus what you already have with you. So he had a, a meeting and a couple of guys, they decided, okay, we don't want this property. We don't want it. We're not going to spit in your face and make no truce about anything. We don't want it. See, it wasn't about Ruth and Naomi just wandering and there goes a man who sleep off her feet. No, Ruth's idea was knowing that, wait a second, I have a husband who's not here. I have a father-in-law who's not here. I have a brother-in-law who's not here. All three men are not here. And I know I'm here with my mother-in-law. So we need to find the next of kin so we can have what belongs to us. So we're going back to where they're from to get our land back. So we're going back to Bethlehem. See, if Ruth would have left, she would have known all of that. She would have known there was nothing left. Until Naomi said, I cannot give you a child to even pass nothing down to you. But I'm about to go to Bethlehem. And she said, I'm going where you go. Your God is my God. Do you understand? So Ruth already had money. Naomi already had money. Orpah had money. But Orpah didn't stick it out long enough to find out that she did. She didn't know nothing about Bethlehem. She's a Moabite. So Ruth received a double portion. Why? Because she was talked about. I heard what you done for your mother-in-law. I heard that you would not leave her side. I heard you wouldn't leave her hanging. I heard that you wanted to stay with her. You about to receive a double portion. I'm going to marry you. I'm going to give you the land and you're going to have what I have to. See what happens when we think about people more than ourselves. She wasn't thinking about no money. It was like a, oh, what? Okay. She didn't know nothing about what Elimelech had. That was none of her business. She's not even from Bethlehem. Probably was her first time going to Bethlehem. But I'm sure she knew where her father-in-law were from. Because he's a man of God. And he's going to talk about where he's from. 
a holy lie. But what happened was, is that whatever illness that Naomi's sons had, it came from the father. Just like we say, okay, my grandfather got diabetes, we gonna get diabetes. You know, if this person got this, we all gonna get this. And that's what happened to her husband and his sons. And that's why her sons died the same time and she both named them sickness. Michaelon sickness. Killian wasting away. Mm-mm-mm. She knew. She knew. She knew. It's sad that it took for them to die for them to realize we have to go back to our hometown. Because I can imagine had they went back when Elimelech died, it would have been a lot different. But that's not how God written it. You know why? Because God set it up for Ruth to marry Boaz so they can have Obed. And Obed have Jesse and Jesse have David. All from where? Bethlehem. And that's why they say Christ is in the lineage of David because they said Messiah will come from Bethlehem, come from out of David, meaning where David is from. And they didn't believe because he was raised in Nazareth, but he was born in Bethlehem. So many of us look at Ruth and Boaz differently. Like she just didn't have, he goes sweeping her off her feet. She approached them about a proposition that she already knew she had a right to. I can get whatever belonged to me. You can marry me. You're right, I can. Let me talk about some things to some people. Let me see if they want the property first. If they're going to sell it, if they're going to buy it, excuse me, first. None of them wanted to buy it. So he did. Do you understand? Because he's a kinsman, kinsman, redeemer. Ooh, angel, I see you. Hallelujah. We have to really, really, you know, read the word for ourselves. Because I'll never forget, I grew up thinking all the way up to... Probably two years ago, thinking that God told Noah to warn all the people to get on the ark. David made a movie about it called, you know, um, Evan Almighty. He was supposed to be Noah in the movie. And I was like, why all those people didn't listen? That's not what God said to Noah. He said, take your family and you go. So that's a lot different than what we have been told from somebody else's interpretation. That's why we have to hear it and read it ourselves. There's even a movie called Jesus Christ of Nazareth. There's so many of them. And one, they making it seem like him and Mary had something going on because she decided to leave the kitchen and sit at his feet. Oh, because she liked him and he liked it too. Had a scene where they was about to kiss. I said, you know what? They better stop.
we have to hear for ourselves. A lot of things that we think is because we hear it so much and it's not just like spare the rod, spoil the child. That's not even in Proverbs. It's he withhold his rod, hates his son. And the man by the name of Samuel Butler, he decided to interpret that in his own way. And many of us think it in the Bible. Yes, yeah, spare the rod, spoil the child. It's not in there like that. And God doesn't mean rod as in belt. Because Moses had a rod and his rod never was used to hit anyone. It released discipline by releasing disciplinary action if they didn't listen. And they call it plagues. And he also used it for miracles for those who do listen. He withhold discipline, hates his son. God was disciplining them with them plagues. Let him go. Oh, you don't want to let him go? Okay. And you know what's so sad? It wasn't even the people. It was Pharaoh. He spoke for everybody. It, it took all those plagues for you to stop. I mean, you didn't even care about the people. You watching them have all these boils, watching the water become blood, watching all these wasps all over the place. It went over to the point where your son died. Now you care about all the other people who had to go through all this stinky mess and it was dead all over the place. Hearing people cry out, you don't even do nothing. And that's how many presidents are today, like pharaohs back then. What we call them presidents. Speak for all of us. One president knew that quote unquote COVID was here. A whole year. One whole year. And because no one knew what it was, we thought we just had a high level of quote unquote the flu. But how come people dying like that from it? People going to the hospitals and they die so fast. What is going on here? Many were scared. And it took him to get on TV. Yeah, COVID. It's called COVID-19, coronavirus. I thought I was helping you guys by not saying anything. I didn't want no one to panic. But instead of all of what I've done, I'm going to give you guys some stimulus. And for those who have companies and businesses, I'm going to give you some, you know, Loans or whatever you want to call it, grants for it too. In other words, I'm going to pay you for what I cost you. And many of us was like, okay, cool. But think about all the people who didn't know what happened to their family member and was diagnosed with some type of illness they don't even heard of, and they just died when they found out it was actually COVID that could have been prevented, quote, unquote. You understand? I'll never forget when it first started going around so fast. People was getting sick around me so much. I'm like, and they was like so bad. They were hurting so bad. Like, I never seen that type of illness before. I'm like, oh my God, your whole body ache. You're so hot. You, you keep coughing. You can't, you can't eat anything. Go home. I was working with young children. These people shouldn't be here. Go home. And you got to think about it. I'm with young children. Very, very snotty. They don't wipe, they wash, they got to be taught to wash their hands and eliminate germs. They just take their sleeve off their shirt and cross their whole nose and touch everything in that room. And if you don't sanitize the room correctly, it's germs everywhere. So imagine what I had to do to eliminate germs, not claiming no illness. So somebody thought it was a good idea to come to work and not tell anybody. 
and they spread that mess around the job. Kids were getting ill, and I'm attending to the kids. Next thing you know, my body started aching so bad. My body was aching, but we didn't know what it was then. How to declare the blood over you. It don't matter how much word you know, how much faith you have. You have to continue to pray and believe and take care of your earthly vessel. I'm working with these kids who are very snotty and the parents not telling people that their kids have this infection so we can pray over them. Instead, they just want to take the kids and drop them off and go and do what they got to do and leave these kids knowing what they have. And I'm lying in the bed, feel like I'm about to die. Do you know that I had every symptom that went wrong with me? And I never told anybody. I didn't go to no hospital. I just took over-the-counter medication. I'm not going to lie to you. I was swallowing the Tylenols and, the, you know, uh, their food. I was just drinking that like it was just lemonade. Chewing, telling all like his pills. I never forget that type of pain. Every part of me ate. I couldn't even touch nothing. Or it couldn't touch me or it hurt it so bad. And that's when God started really dealing with me with a divorce. It had nothing to do with infidelity. You could still stay with someone with that. And nothing to do with, you know, how you was treated. You can still work with that. It was God was sharing with me, this man is not for you. He was starting to tell me, starting to tell me, until I actually heard Christ in a visitation confirm, no, it's not. See, he needed my confession. He needed me to ask, is it? Because I kept saying it is. So I had to position myself to ask him, is it? So he could tell me it's not. And I'll never forget. I felt like I was going to die. I couldn't take it. I was suffering. It was, I'll never forget one night out of all the nights I was in pain for like a whole week. But that one night, I felt like I was about to die. It got worse. My temperature kept going up. I couldn't bring it down. The Tylenols, it would bring it down. But once it wear off, it goes up higher. And I didn't know what was going on. I didn't hear about anything. I just know that everybody kept having the same thing going on. Maybe because it's the time of year, I thought, let me pray over myself. Let me tell you guys something. I made a phone call to someone who I thought cared about me. Hey, I'm not feeling good. You have to hurry up. I'll get there. Okay, I'll get there. Like four hours passed. Look, you need to come. Please bring them. Bring the medication. Bring Bring some Theraflu. Bring something for me, please. I'm hurting so bad. It's so bad. Please, please, please. I'm balled up. I'm about to cry. I'm trying to pay it off. I want nobody to know that something's wrong. Please, please, please. Hurry up, please. See, when you marry someone, when you're in a relationship with someone, they're more closer to you than anybody else because you connect your souls with that person because they're entering inside of you. Come on, let's keep it real. You're intimate with them. You're doing things with them you don't do with everybody else. So that makes it more close, more intense, more, you understand, more intimate. But when you feel let down because it's not that type of intimacy, I'm like, this man don't even care about me. You could have came, you driving around in my car. You can't give me any medicine. 
I don't want to call anybody. I don't want to go to the hospital. But if it get a little worse than this, you ever felt like I could call an ambulance? I need to call. But I don't want to make all that scene. I don't want them to come and get all that. But if it get any worse than this, I got to go. And he showed up when just when I felt like I couldn't take it anymore. And he didn't know I was that bad. I was shivering. I was hot, cold, hot, cold, aching everywhere. Looked very pale. He was like, I'm so sorry. I didn't know it was this bad. I don't care if I had a mosquito bite. If you care about me, you care. Moko, Moko. How things can look so appealing. How things can look so appealing. And set up to just destroy us. That marriage almost took me out. I was like, it'd be best if I just go home. I hate it here. Nothing good is happening to me. Everything, I, every time I turn around, something bad, something bad, something bad. Oh, God. You guys, you, mm, mm, mm. And that's why many are like, okay. Hallelujah. Just so grateful and thankful for everything. I never felt that, that that way in my life. I was like, this is, we keep putting up with people's stuff. I don't care. You don't have to be in a relationship. You could be in a friendship. You could be on a job. People just treat you any kind of way. But, you know, you can't just allow people to do that and then say, okay, God got me. But we still allow them to do that. We don't have to let nobody take advantage of us. And then say, okay, I got my day and time. No, just don't get out your godly character, but you don't have to let nobody take advantage of you. You have to know how to speak up for yourself. You understand? And I'm telling you, I was like, um, I felt like I was about to die that night. And that man took forever to come. And when he came, he felt so bad. I'm so sorry. I was so angry. I was like, if you don't get away from me, if you don't get away from me, give me my stuff, give me my keys, get out of my face. I had to pray about it. And I'm so glad. I'm so glad. I was like, Father, I don't even need nobody. I never, I never, you know, was big on being with someone. Because I never felt any way for someone. (laughs) No. But I do now. Yeah. I do now. And what I'm thinking, like, I was like, Father, why wasn't he always in my life since I've been here? Why couldn't we grow up together? Wow. Yeah, imagine that. <laughs> you understand? Wow. I was like, Father, why you couldn't have me grow up with this man? If I see how much he helped me now, he could have helped me my whole life. <laughs> oh, God. And God said, what would that put me? <laughs> what would that put me, Quinesia? <laughs> I know. I want to ask you guys a question. Do you see how I'm seeing or I'm created to see this way? 
the way I'm seeing. I ask that because some of us are uniquely made that we only see like that. When I talk, you guys, you know, so deep. When it comes to marriage, I don't just see, okay, husband, wife, we get together. No, I see before the foundation. I literally see the picture of what that looks like. Always supposed to be and always meant to be. And I was like, Father, I could have grew up with this man. I don't care from childhood. <laughs> yeah. Imagine that. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> Thank you, Father. I lift up every couple that's in the wrong covenant that you open up and just listen to what God is saying. You're not going to disappoint anybody in the long run. What the matter is, the truth is, in the matter is, the truth of the matter is, Holy Spirit, come on. The truth of the matter is, is that you keep your priorities in order by setting boundaries. You have to know that you're worth more than you being unhappy. You're worth more being happy than unhappy. Don't settle for 90%. Don't get the wrong comfortable and you don't want to be with your your mate and love on them. Mm. You don't want that, okay? Someone asked to treat me to wash my blankets and stuff. I'm like, I can wash my own. They said, "Mm -mm, I want to take you to this beautiful big place. I mean, it's it's not like a Disney World laundromat, but it's a really good one. The machines are really big. It's around here. And I said, let me just get these blankets and go because that's what... I can do it, but if they offering to do that, why not? Let me call them and tell them right now. My friend, I think I get myself together. Oh, God. <laughs> Let me do it right now for they say, I'm on my way right now. Okay. Yeah. Let me do that. I'm shutting down. Yeah. Thank God I start cooking dinner early. Now dinner is done in 10 minutes, and I'll be out the door and cut it off. See how God had that all set up? Thank you, Father. I am excited. I love you. I thank you guys so much for everything. You mean so much to me. I could say, I could talk this message a lifetime. I could talk this all day, all night to you guys. But I just want you to receive it, okay? I love you.